Hey, everybody. Thank you for tuning in. You're listening to Roofing It, and I'm your host, Armando Jaycox. In this podcast, we interview leaders in the roofing business, and we do something a little different here. We dive deep into their personal lives, into their personal history, and we get to learn what their struggles were, what their challenges were, and how they overcame those struggles to become the people that they are today. I personally find that fascinating, and I hope that you do too. So thank you again for listening, and I hope you enjoy the show. So for today's episode, we have John Dye with The Art of the Supplement. We are going to get into the nitty gritty of supplementing jobs, which I'm really excited about actually, because uh, there's quite a few supplements out there that I think a lot of people are missing. And and we can start really basic too with supplementing as far as, um, as far as, you know, for the consumer who's just not aware, because I I do find that to be a problem occasionally where uh, one of our reps or project managers doesn't explain it as clearly, or maybe they did and uh, the consumer just didn't maybe absorb it and they get kind of surprised, a little, little shock when it comes back with, wow, wh- how did you guys get so much more money on this, you know? So um, anyway, so we have John Dye with the Art of the Supplement. Thank you, John, for coming in. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you so much, Armando. This is uh, truly an honor to be here. And, uh, awesome. I really appreciate it. Yeah, no, I'm excited to talk to you for sure and like record it and share it with the whole internet. <laughs> yeah, this will be fun, so, I'm sure. So Yeah. So yeah, let's get into some background, man. Um the uh so you where are you from again? Because I you for some reason I thought you were from in, in Texas because you know Mike Cody, you know? Yeah, Mike's uh Mike's a great guy. Um I, I'm in Texas all the time, it seems. Um, but I'm actually from Chicago originally. Okay. Um from the suburbs, far west side, uh Wooddale. And then uh, I live in Indiana now. My parents moved there when I was 13. So I've kind of lived all over the country, but I've been based out of Indiana now for the last few years. So where did you, like in Chicago, in the suburb, you kind of went to, you were born and raised, elementary school, middle yep. school, high school, all that uh, stuff? Till middle school. Actually, right before middle school is when we moved, or during middle school is when we moved to uh, Indiana. So okay. I was born there, grew up on Portillo's hot dogs and all that good stuff. And then uh, mm. they yanked us away and took us to Indiana, so... So something that people probably don't know about you, which I was really surprised because you don't look like a Hispanic guy to me <laughs> and you don't look like someone who speaks Spanish like me. And so, um, you know, people see me and they just speak Spanish to me automatically. But for you, uh, you know, you know how to speak Spanish fluently. Yeah. And I like to surprise people at the restaurants and I'll, you know, order in Spanish and it just trips them out for a minute and then they come yeah. around to it. And I'm like, yeah, come on now. That's funny. Yo hablo español. <laughs> That's awesome. So, I mean, you... Um, so you going into you know your you kind of finished high school you can't your background you had a you had a your dad was in the roofing construction kind of yeah, background he was, right I'm kind of a fifth generation contractor I mean my family's wow. all been in construction my dad his dad grandfather great grandfather up the line we've done pretty much a little bit of everything bricklayers uh, blacksmiths like they were building all kinds of stuff and uh, so I got into the roofing industry through my father but. My father was actually, he, he builds, he's built homes. He's done all kinds of stuff. He can, he's probably one of the most talented people I've ever known in my life and uh, blessed to have him. And he's, he's taught me pretty much everything that I knew about the roofing industry. Um, and he wasn't even really a roofer, but he was involved in it. He, he got mm-hmm. into it. So you, your, your dad doesn't speak Spanish or does he? Oh, he does. He he's, does. Oh, he's, he's a fluent. Yeah. Really. He learned it after my mom and him got together. Was your mom, is your mom originally from Mexico? Yeah, she is. She's okay. from uh, the state of Mexico. 
Oh, okay. So, and so she grew up in Mexico. She did. And she came here. She did when she was, uh, I want to say she was in her early 20s when okay. she came over here. Okay. She, there was already family here, though. And okay. so she, she just decided she wanted a better life and she wow. moved to the United States. Wow, that's awesome. Yep. Your mom and dad met. You're, you're, it's probably been unusual. I they, guess that's uh, not that long ago. You're fairly young. You're a young guy. <laughs> I'm old. I'm 41. No, no, I'm not, I'm not that you're, far you're behind 32, you. You're 32, right? 33. 33, yeah. okay, okay. So no, they met. They met when uh, they were in the early twenties. Um, my dad didn't speak any Spanish. My mom only spoke Spanish. Mm, wow! So it was kind of. Uh, it was. I'm sure it was. Uh, love, I guess. I don't know, man. Yeah, it's, that's it's, awesome. I, I wasn't there, so all and I know so, is they got but married. Your mom, and, like you, had to speak Spanish with your mom growing oh, up. Oh yeah, all or the, else you couldn't communicate with her. Nope. And I. Okay. That was at home. We spoke Spanish, and then uh, I'd go to school, and I learned how to speak English. Okay. I mean, I, I spoke English with my dad and stuff, and my but my dad already spoke Spanish. We went to a Spanish church. We grew up going to uh it was always Spanish stuff. Oh, we interesting. Yeah, okay. we weren't. Uh, so it wasn't kind of weird, like to go to school and be like, "Oh, your mom doesn't even speak English." You don't get teased like that. <laughs> you know what? Chicago's a blending plot. pot. Okay. You know, when I when okay. I moved to Indiana, I was surprised because um, I mean, I went to school with kids that were Indian, kids that were Asian, kids that were. I mean, it was everything. Like there were Polish kids, like. They spoke Polish at home. They barely spoke English. I mean, it was a Chicago's a different world, man, and mm -hmm. and it really is a a very diverse um, area there. And so okay. we, it, it's it's a lot of immigrants, a lot of um, first generation there. Well, I mean, that really kind of I'm sure it helped like prime you to be able to work with people of all different you know backgrounds and Absolutely. stuff like that, right? I think it. I mean, it made me more tolerant, I guess. Um, yeah. I was because I was always there was no. I didn't understand racism. Um, in fact, I didn't really understand racism until later, way later on in life when I moved to the South. <laughs> mm, oh, wow. um, in the North, I just, you know, in Chicago, for example, like we were just all kids. We were all friends. Everybody grew up each other with each other. I still, uh, I still, every now and then I keep in touch with friends that I went to school with, even like elementary school. Like it's crazy. Like we would hang out and people were like, man, you guys have known each other how long? Like, man, since like kindergarten, you know? That's cool. But it's, it, they're all from all, you know, a lot of Italian friends. I have a lot of friends that are from all kinds of backgrounds. It's crazy. That's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. And so you were a little bit of a, of a party guy in, in high school. Is that right? <laughs> I don't right. know. I wasn't I a party guy. I was, uh, <laughs> I, I went to a Christian high school first off. And okay. So, I mean, my definition of party guy in high school would be, uh, you know, I was just more of a, I, I'm not a good learner. I'm not a good student per okay. se. Um, okay. and so I was, I, I had like severe, uh, not I, I I undiagnosed ADD, but I guess I'm just mm. I'm I'm always got to be doing something, and so, so it you was got hard caught to, like a holding hands with somebody or something. I, like I that? totally got caught holding hands a couple times, <laughs> and uh, you know how that goes. You hold hold hands for too long, and yeah, bad things uh, happen. I was a little bit uh, further out there. I actually uh, did get in a lot of trouble, and when I was in high school, I, I went to juvie and all that kind of stuff. So it's kind of refreshing to know that you know guys in this business because there's a lot of guys in this business who got in a lot of trouble. I mean, mm -hmm. there's people in this business who are straight felons and are very successful. You know, yeah, it's really interesting, actually. Um, this business attracts all types. It does. People. It does. It's, it's fascinating to me too. I love it. I, there's something about roofers, though, isn't there? Man, like, it just, seems like there's like some some uh, interesting uh, I think, backgrounds. Uh, I think know? there's something off with all of us. Yeah, <laughs> just a little bit. Like yeah. we're all just a little bit. We're renegades. You used that word a little bit ago. We are. Yeah. We're all kind of renegades in this industry. And. I think that kind of gives us a bad rep sometimes. Some of us are more renegades than others. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, but for the most part, 
it's it's good people like we're all well, I, salty I, uh, beers. we all you know we're all working hard we're all just trying to do the best that we can i think you're right i think you're right and i think there's bad apples in every group exactly. you know and then you can't let that ruin the bunch exactly um but yeah i interviewed greg malarkey a couple uh, like a week ago and he um he actually left uh well you'll hear it soon but he he left the company malarkey didn't want to come back and that's where sort of that like rebelliousness kind of yeah. came from and but they got him they got him to come back and so. i love what malarkey's doing um, it's incredible. They are. Yeah. They're 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 doing something special. That's for sure. And I, I'm proud. I'm proud to be a part of the Malarkey family for sure. So you install a lot of Malarkey as well. I do. Um, it, it's on my house. Okay, so, let's clarify some things. Okay, so because okay. that's one thing when I before I knew you, I was a little confused by you. I have to say, <laughs> because I knew there was art of the supplement, right? There's art of the supplement. But then we got. We, I went to one of your classes, which was incredible, by the way. Thank you I so much. I strongly I, recommend I, anybody could go. Yes. Well, thank you. I appreciate you being there for sure. Yeah, it was it was awesome. Uh, that sort of like close mastermind kind of feel to it. Yep. I that's mean, what I, we're trying to do. Yeah. I mean, I made some connections and some you know, ideas. That's that are my gonna, favorite part. You know, because yeah. I mean, when when I do these classes, like we have you know from eight to twelve people in these in these rooms, and it's it's like a boardroom. You were there, mm -hmm. and I think my favorite part is isn't necessarily I like the the interactions and the the back and forth, and then everyone has their own take on stuff, and it's cool to see everyone kind of come together from. Mm -hmm. I mean, because I've had PAs, I've had uh, obviously contractors. We had someone there that was pretty close with State Farm yesterday. Yeah, and you know, you get all these people together, and it's just like they're all from so many different walks of life and so many different aspects of the business. Mm -hmm. And at the end of it, you know, I've had times where they go around and they're, they're writing down their, their phone numbers and their names and stuff. And they're trying to share business cards and everyone's going to find a way to collaborate. That's probably my favorite part of this whole industry though. It's yeah. like that everywhere we go. Yeah. And you know, you always, I've had, I've had negative encounters with people, you know, when you're driving around, your truck's all lettered up and, right. you know, you get the, the, the weird side eye, but I'm always the kind of guy that just wants to wave and say, Hey, what's up? You know? Yeah. How are you guys doing? So you, you, do you, you're also a roofing contractor. I do a roofing contract on the side. Um, okay. I, there's still, you know, I have some commercial clients and different stuff like that, that I help out. Okay. Um, it's my schedule's getting a lot more, uh, busy though on the supplement side now again because art of the supplement is sort of like a training consulting it is. business is it that is. right yeah okay. and and you also just like supplement as a third-party supplement for companies right right cradle okay. the grave um i've done that too um i still do that a little bit um not as much i try to limit how many clients i take on just because i don't want to i don't want to overdo it yeah um it, you know you know it's it's a Supplementing is a process and it takes time and you got to, you got to really focus in and, and get stuff done if you're going to be a good supplementer. And I would hate to, I hate to make my clients feel like I'm not doing the best that I can. Yeah. Yeah. And no, so, I, I completely share that value. I mean, uh, it sounds like you just don't want to spread yourself too thin yeah, because you believe sure. in, in having a great a customer service experience. You know, the people I want, you're working with. I want to bring as much value as I can to the classes and to my customers and make sure that it, and it's hard to do if I'm doing too much at one time. And so that's that's kind of why I've been limiting how many new customers I take on, or, and it's crazy because when I do these things, there's always people that say, "Hey, will you, you know, take these claims and work them for me?" Yeah. And it's hard to say no, but I'm like, "Hey, you know, I'll refer you, or I have I have a mm -hmm. partner, I have a team that I work with that'll come in and kind of take those over from there." Well, because another kind of like part that I mean, all everything you do is complementary to each other, really, right? right. So it's not like you're doing, uh, but one thing is you will, do you dabble in doing appraisals for people? I do. Okay. Um, I work with Indemnity with Jason Monday and Shane okay. Monday okay. out of Cincinnati. Um, I, I don't do a lot of it, but it's, 
appraisal is a whole like wild west world and it's it's fascinating to me yeah. and i and i really i love it i love yeah. appraisal i can't i can't speak you know any I, that's just like that's the that's like the new thing that it's not new it's been around forever but it's become so much easier now to do appraisal than it was 20 years ago so let's uh let's kind of back up let's go right into like supplementing for sure you know absolutely. and what and what that is well let's let's pretend like a consumer is listening and yeah absolutely and they're like what are these guys talking about supplementing well, you know and so there's co- some contractors who supplement and some contractors who don't i mean let's absolutely. let's start there and maybe a basic definition of it let me let me back up a minute because okay. i don't even like to use the word supplement okay and i don't like to use a supplement or supplement and it's crazy because that's the name of our class and i i do that because obviously that's the most common term that we use as contractors for widely recognized yeah Yeah, it's so recognized so that's why we use that as our the name of the company but as far as what what i do and i I talk about this in the class but i'm I'm really more of an auditor and um you know an auditor is is a very simple term like we just basically are going through and making sure that our costs incurred are are covered or incurred costs are covered um and so homeowners need to understand that at the end of the day like if your contractor is not going to go after the incurred cost where are they where are they cutting that corner? Yeah. Okay. Like, what are they what are they doing that they're not? How are they doing stuff for free? Like, are they either doing things for free or are they just not doing things in general? Or they're doing it and making less money than they could have if they would have supplemented. And that hurts the homeowners too, because yeah. now you got a contractor that's not making what he should be making, and who's to say he's going to be in business in a yeah. year or two years to cover that warranty? Yeah. Um. So, contractors have to be. Um, they have to make their margins. That's all there is to it. So the margins are really important for contractors because we need, obviously, um, to make a profit margin to pay all of our overhead expenses. We need to pay all, you know, any employees that are working for yep. us, any any subcontractors that are working for us. We need to pay, um, you gotta pay insurances, your warranties. warranties. Warranties are expensive. Uh, vehicles. Vehicles, and, yeah. You know, and so all of that stuff. Marketing, kinda, everything. To grow marketing. Mm-hmm. And if there is an issue with the roof, we're not going to charge the, the well. Some contractors do charge the client. I don't. Right. But we're not going to charge the client, um, and and we'll go back and fix their roof. Exactly. And so that we need to have sort of a you know um, a, a you know some fun a fun there a healthy fun to yeah. make sure to fix those kind of problems. And so what so what we do is is very simple. Like as far as auditing the claim goes, it's we're just basically making sure that every element that's on that roof is covered the right way. Um, we're not going to cut a corner no matter what a carrier guideline says because um, the carriers have guidelines that they have to write claims under. So the initial claim is never 100% correct. Um, very rarely. There's there's times where it is. I've had I've had moments where adjusters have said, hey, just write the claim or just write the write the estimate for me. We'll go off of your estimate. Yeah. So I'll do it that way. And then, you know, at that point, I know that I got everything I needed to get because they paid for it. But how many times have you seen where they don't pay for chimney flashing? They don't pay for the drip edge. They don't pay for the step flashing. They don't pay. They say reuse the step flashing. Yeah. Then and you know, as a good contractor, you can't do that. Right. Um, so if you're an ethical, honest contractor, if you're an ethical, honest contractor, you need to to make sure that you're getting paid the right way. And so I either say contractors fall into two bunches. You have contractors that are doing everything the right way mm-hmm. and they're going to go back and get those incurred costs covered. And there's contractors that aren't going to do things the right way and they're going to cut corners and do it according to, you know, what the scope is, or they're going to just supplement for it after the fact and still get paid and not do it. So it's, it's okay. kind of a, 
there's two little groups there and I've, I've had clients that have done that and I've just said, Hey, I'm not going to work with you guys anymore. If I find out that they're not doing what they said that they're doing. Okay. If I'm asking for something, they better be doing it. So let's kind of like start with like a customer, right? We have a, a new client. Uh, they have some hail damage. They, they go out and, and they do. We help them do a claim. Right. The adjuster comes to their house. We meet with the adjuster. We review the damages. We discuss, hey, we're going to need this and that, X, Y, and Z. And the adjuster usually agrees. But a lot of times what the adjuster says is, well, you know, I can't pay for that because it's not direct storm damage. Yep. So you're going to have to supplement. Correct. Right. So, um, so that's where... It could get a little confusing for a homeowner because they're like, "Well, what do you mean? You're, what does that? What does that mean? You're going to have to supplement." Okay, well, let's let's break it down like this. So, the insurance industry uses Xactimate to write most of their claims. I'd say probably 80 percent. There's some that use Simbility. They all use different. They have a couple of little small programs that they use as well. But this is just a computer program that breaks a roof down into separate line items, okay? So every aspect of that roof is covered. So you have as as far down as, other than basically like your nails and stuff, that's already included in the actual line item, but you have, you're going to have your underlayment, your shingles, you know, your ridge cap. All that stuff is going to go into an estimate, okay? And so what, typically what an, an adjuster does, because I'm also a licensed adjuster, so I've been yeah. on that side of the table. Yeah. And I have, when I'm an adjuster, I have to work under set guidelines. Okay. Okay. And those guidelines are set by the carrier and every carrier has their individual guidelines. So for example, I did a, uh, a duplex a couple of years ago. Okay. They're both two sides that are identical. Right. Okay. One carrier paid for 10 line items. The other carrier paid for 15 line items. Right. Exact same roof. Yeah. Totally different numbers. Right. Okay. And that's just because the carriers have inadvertently like, it's just like any other business, okay? They're trying to make sure that, number one, they want to make sure that the homeowner does do the work, okay? Yeah. They're not trying to withhold money, but it's just like anything else. What if you? What if the homeowner doesn't do the work? What if they just take the first check and well, they go also, and take a vacation? Well, there's also, there could be a, a competency problem there too, because Xactimate is not the easiest program in the world to work with. I mean- It's not. If you don't, if, if there could be one adjuster on the one side of the roof that is highly skilled, let's say like, you know, certified level three, knows oh, yeah. Xactimate really well. And the other guy maybe, you know, just started, like it's his first year adjusting exactly. claims. So, you know, it would be easy for that other guy to miss it. And, and that, you know, that's fairly Absolutely. common. And he, I mean, I got in trouble, the, but the first time I wrote a claim, um, okay. I wrote it up with every line item included on the roof. Mm-hmm. And I wrote it nice, and it was beautiful. And I figured any contractor that gets get that gets this claim is going to be super excited about it. Yeah. And it got kicked back to me. And they okay. said, "You can't do this." Yeah. Because for us, it makes it nice when we don't have to supplement as much. Oh yeah, absolutely. We just kind of get everything. It'd be front, great. That'd be can, an awesome it, it world. Close things out a lot, a lot faster. But the key is, how much money would the insurance companies lose because of that? Yeah. Or you know. Well, because that's a, that's an interesting like detail because uh, a lot of times. The insurance company, after they do the initial adjuster meeting, they create adjuster's report, uh-huh. right? So, um, so then the they they don't just like let's say the full claim was going to be ten thousand bucks. They don't just give the homeowner ten thousand bucks and say, um, you know, go find a roofer. Right. You know, good luck. Um, they subtract what's called depreciation. Correct. Right. So, um, and what's interesting is a lot of times the depreci- depreciation I found on average is around fifty percent. Mm-hmm. So instead of ten thousand bucks, they subtract let's say five thousand bucks plus the deductible. And as a homeowner, you're left with maybe, you know, two, three thousand bucks on that. Right. And you're like, oh, okay, I'm supposed to do the roof with this kind of money. <laughs> it's a little confusing. So, I mean, I, I really, um, you know, explain that pretty well with my, all yep. my homeowners and stuff. Um, however, um, one detail there is 
out of all the thousands, hundreds of thousands of claims, there's a lot of people who just don't work with a contractor, don't even do anything. And right. they just keep that two, 3000 bucks mm -hmm. and they forget about the depreciation. Right. Right. And they, well, they're not getting depreciation back and they're basically just, they're going to pay for that roof later on down the road out of their own pocket. Um, and so that's, that's an unfortunate situation because people don't really understand what's going on in the whole process. Cause you can, if you do the work, you'll get the depreciation. Correct. Most you, of the time, that, if you have the, if you have a replacement bucks. cost policy, then you'll get yeah, it Yeah. Most, you know, I found most of my customers would definitely do. And so mm -hmm. they, they'll get that depreciation and they'll, you know, we'll do the job and yep. we'll, we'll collect the depreciation. And you'll do it right. And everything's good. Correct. Yeah. Maybe some supplements here, some items that they would have missed. And that's the majority of the jobs that I do go that way, yeah. you know, but what is kind of interesting is that there are so many people out there who don't do that work and all that depreciation adds up to i mean i want to oh say billions of dollars i couldn't right? even imagine how much money that they've just not people have just not gotten or just you yeah. know not that's just because after there. a certain amount of time it's just forfeited yeah it's just they forfeited like you're not going to get it back yeah and and it's and it's awful because at that point what do you do as a homeowner you filed a claim on your roof let's let's say another storm comes through and you didn't fix it the first time they're not going to fix it the second time they're going to pay for that roof twice Mm -hmm. So you're kind of stuck with a bad roof at that point that you're going to have to ultimately pay out of pocket for yeah. versus then having it done the, right the first time. And at that point, you're going to price bid too. So you're going to go with the lowest bid. You're going to, yeah. or, you know, you're going to be trying to save money. It's, yeah. it's going to be a, a bad situation all around. Yeah. Um, for, for that, for that scenario. So in that same scenario, then we come, let's, you know, let's go to the other side where we're dealing with the homeowner who said, okay. Um, no problem. I'm paying yep. my deductible. Uh, yeah, I, I think I understand this supplement thing. You're going to do the job and things that come up while you're doing the job, you're going to document, you're going to send the, the documentation to the insurance company and ask them to pay for it. Mm -hmm. So uh, most, you know, most homeowners kind of are like, okay, cool. Sounds good. That no problem. But what, what they kind of don't see is sometimes those items that they miss can add up to like a lot of money. Like well, it could be like five, 10,000 bucks, even on I a mean, smaller my, claim. My average is 2,500. Okay. Um, and that's that's nationwide. So I mean, there's some areas that you know you get down into the south. You have areas that don't have ice and water shield, you know, ordinances. They don't have the same codes that we do up north. So you, those the claims down there are much smaller. But you get up north into uh, like Minnesota and stuff, and I've seen supplements go 100 percent, like where you're literally doubling the claim. Yeah. Um, just based on certain elements that are involved in the claim. Like, for example, if they need new wood on the roof. Exactly. That could be a big supplement. I mean, supplement. if you tear off a roof and now you found that you have bad decking or you have space decking. Yeah. And, I mean, there's houses, I've seen houses that have, you know, they're a 100-year-old house and they have, they'll, they'll have cedar shake, then they'll have four layers of shingles over top of it. Well, no adjuster is going to catch that. Yeah. And so, at the end of the day, you may have to pay, get... You gotta get them to pay for the removal of those three extra layers plus removal of the shake, and then you gotta redeck the entire house. I mean, that's on a twenty square house, you're talking five six thousand dollars right there. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's it's definitely something in that regard that is a cost incurred. It's gonna happen, you, and that's what you got you paid insurance for. And so yeah. that's at the end of the day, um, a homeowner should never have to come out of pocket more than their deductible on a claim. So right. that's the, that's the key there. So I, uh, I work, I, I do this every day. It's like kind of just come second nature to me yeah, to, to photograph the job. But, um, sometimes I forget that, you know, to a homeowner, it can be quite shocking to find out like, wait, they paid 12,000 and now they're going to pay 17,000. That's yep. a, a big jump, it's but, common, you though. know, and, and I, and I do, yeah. And I do, and I do a pretty good job of explaining things to folks. Mm -hmm. I think, um, I think it's important to know kind of that process though. Cause when we start the job, we will go and, and that's where that app 
company camp comes in. Oh, company camp. You know, camp. it's huge. <laughs> I mean, we've been using company camp for years since it first came out, really. I love company camp. And so camp. we used to take pictures of a job site yep. and then um, and have to like uh, on our phone and have to download our computer and then no, save No, no, come on, back up for a second. Remember yeah. he said, my dad in 2000, when he started doing this, um, he was salesman of the month one month and they gave him a camera that had a three and a half inch floppy drive in it. Oh, wow. And that's what he got is his, all the adjusters had that though. Okay. And so I had to show him how to use that. Wow. But that's how they would have to take photos of jobs and yeah. put them on their computer and stuff. So, I mean, it's, Crazy. yeah, back in the day, it was a different yeah. world. There were days when adjusters would have to use, you'd have Polaroid cameras were big oh, right. back in the 90s and stuff. Okay, yeah. So that's what they would use to do photos. Well, I just remember, I mean, when I first started in 2011, they just used the little... Um you know, little uh, digital little cameras. Shoots, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They're using phones now too. I haven't seen some adjusters use company cameras. I still use, uh, when I'm adjusting, I have a little Sony point and shoot that I use. Okay. Um, and I just do that because it's, I don't want to, it's just easier to use a, a memory card to import into Xactimate than oh, trying see. to move stuff off my phone into Xactimate. Okay. And okay. it also keeps track, it, it numbers them and, you know, time stamps everything and okay. it, it just makes it easy for me. Okay. On the back end. Well, so I'll show up to the job site. I'll start taking photos of any flashing that needs to get replaced of uh, the, the, you know, maybe the, the drip edge that's missing and we right. have to include it. Some ice and water shield. Um, and you want to know yeah. how that roof system all interacts with each other. Like, I yeah. mean, if you have gutters that are sitting over top of your drip edge, you got to rip, you got to detach and reset those gutters. Yeah. Or if you have a, a gutter guard that's sitting on top of the roof system, you know, that's, a, that's additional time, that's additional labor. Um, all those types of things you want to know about. Well, I think it's important for a, a homeowner, a consumer to, to be like, to, to kind of like realize that, you know, I'm, I, to work with a contractor who is doing that because yep. I found that the contractors who do that, including myself, we install a, a good quality product, like a full systems roof, yep. a malarkey systems roof with, mm -hmm. with malarkey synthetic underlayment, a malarkey ice and water shield around the perimeters. Um, you know, uh, it's all impact resistant. The whole roof is impact resistant. Plus the ridge is impact resistant. Cause Correct. you know, I, I, I know um, for a fact, four. yeah, we'll, we'll do a nice impact resistant roof, either three With or four. A lot more algae resistance on it. Yeah. So yep. they'll get a good roof if they allow me to just document what I need to document yep. and, and get paid for, you know, legitimate well, items and you don't, that are You there. don't want to be stuck with a warranty on a roof that is substandard. Yeah. I mean, that's just common sense. And, yeah. you know, I use that. I use that when I talk to adjusters a lot because I'm saying, hey, look, this roof had a full warranty before the storm. Now it's damaged. It doesn't have a warranty. I'm not going to put a roof on there and cut corners because you're telling me to. Well, the corners that can be cut by people who are not supplementing properly are what I've seen is they won't put a, a full systems roof. They'll, Correct. They'll find the cheapest underlayment yep. they can get, maybe on discount. They'll put it over top of the old underlayment. Put it on top of the old underlayment instead of yep. removing, removing it all, because it's important to remove all the underlayment, check the deck, make sure there's no rotted out wood that we need Correct. to replace. And so they'll, you know, contractors may, may find the cheapest possible underlayment, cheapest possible ridge, cheapest possible yep. pretty much everything yep. they can find. Step because, flashing. Yeah, that's the edge. way they're going to make their margin because yep. they're not supplementing the way that needs to be done, you know? Yep. So I feel like um, it's very... I mean, numbers don't lie. Yeah. That's the bottom line. Numbers don't lie. And if so if you, if you are getting a cheaper roof than everyone else, you got to figure that somewhere along the line, something's not right. Well, that's one thing I, I kind of struggle with because a lot of times a lot of folks think, well, we need a, a, an estimate here. We need to get, you know, three or four estimates, yeah. you know, <laughs> send them all to the insurance company and let's see, you know, the, let the insurance company tell us, you know, if they, if, 
if people do that, then the insurance company oftentimes just kind of finds the cheapest one and says, oh yeah, that one looks good. Right. Uh, go with that, you know? Well, and you look at it too, like, let's say that, let's go back to that scenario. You got the $10,000 roof. Um, you know, this was something that I always talk to my customers about, but if you got that $10,000 roof and you got the, you know, you're going to get the $8,500 bid and do that roof. Well, now the insurance company on the depreciation side only owes for the difference of that. You just got an $8,500 roof instead of a $12,000 roof, possibly. That's a challenging concept, I think, it for is. a lot of folks, you know, because they, they think, uh, well, the insurance pay company paid me 10000 I have this contractor said he'll do it for 8500 Right. So does that mean I just hold on to the difference of 1500 And that's not, unfortunately, that's how it works. Unfortunately, not how it works, yeah. And yeah. you can be in, you, you got to be careful because you're, you're really skirting the fine line there with insurance fraud and other stuff at that point if you're not because you're, you're technically supposed to return that money at that point yeah so okay but and the other thing is too you're actually not going to get the 1500 technically because you have to have an invoice for that full amount yeah so if the invoice is only 8500 they're only going to pay the difference of the 8500 yeah. Um, so, I mean, insurance work can be tricky. It you is know, tricky. Even just if I were a consumer listening to this conversation, I'd probably turn it off right now. Yeah, it's, it gets, I don't want to deal with that. Man. So that's kind of why it's important that, you know, I, I just kind of keep things fairly simple. I make sure, look, you pay your deductible and any out-of-pocket costs, well, I, I make sure they, they're aware of that it's first. It's tricky because every claim is unique. Yeah. You can't go by a set of guidelines and properly write an estimate. Yeah. There's no, you know, there's no silver bullet. There's not a cut and dry way to do it. Every house is unique. Every claim is unique. Mm -hmm. There's never going to be, you can, your next door neighbor in your house are going to be completely different when it comes to how it's set up. Yeah. Um, you know, there's all kinds of variables that go into play on every claim. And so that's why it's tricky. I mean, you can't, an adjuster has to go off of a guideline that's just a set rule basically, and it doesn't apply to every house. Okay. And that's why it's also important to have a good supplementing, supplementing team or you know, whatever you're going to use. And some companies use third party. Some people do in-house. Um, and it's Well, let's talk about that a little bit because it's important, <laughs> I think. Um, I, I talked to an insurance agent recently who was kind of like, you know, um, a little skeptical that I used a third party. And, yeah. and I kind of, what I did, I explained it in a way. I said, look, when, you know, when uh, when the insurance company gets really busy, a lot of times they hire third parties as Correct. well to, to help them get caught up, you yep. know, because it doesn't make sense for them to hire a lot of people in-house, pay have that on the payroll, just to let them go six months Correct. later, you know? So that's kind of the nature of my business as well, is I, I like to work with third-party supplementers who will... Um, a third-party company who will represent me to the insurance company and help me uh, use my photographs to get paid, uh, you know, um, on items that we are legitimately photographing and installing. You know what I mean? Well, you know, at the end of the day, third-party or in-house, third-party is just basically when I when I when I first started doing it, I was a I was probably the only third-party guy out there. There were very few of us. We didn't really exist. Yeah. yeah. And so I came up with this concept just sitting sitting at a, at a pizza shop next to a guy that was doing a bunch of roofs and I just offered my services to him and had no idea that it was going to turn into what it's turned into today. Yeah. But all it, all it was, was I want to help them basically create a third party department. So it's just like any other department. If you have a call center in India, that's a third party call center. Right. Okay. It's just anything that it's, if you have a, a group that specializes in doing this and they do it right, you gotta, you also gotta make sure there's, there are, there's bad companies and there's good companies on the third party side. Okay. It's just like anything else. Okay. Um, and you need to vet your third party supplementer very, very closely and make sure that you're, they are doing the right thing. But, it, but a good third party supplementer is worth their weight in gold because yeah. they're going to, um, work on your behalf. They're going to make you look good. They're going to make you a lot more, they're going to create a lot more value for your customers and make sure at the end of the day that you're in business for a really, really long time. 
So the basic idea is there that the third party would take our photos as a contractor Correct. when we're doing the job, use the photos to build the estimate um, correctly, include any missing items that may have been missed on the initial insurance yep. adjustment, and then explain that to the uh, to the insurance company. And 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 really, I mean, uh, th there's this, I think there's like a misconception that um, the third party is sort of like trying to get items that are not legitimate because well, the higher they get, increase the claim, they get a paid a percentage for that increase, right? And that, well, that's where I, things get I weird. When I started, I was I was getting paid a percentage, um, and I still to this day, if I do it, I'm getting paid a percentage of what I get. Yeah. Um, the reason I did that was because. First off, I knew what I could go after and I knew what was missing on the claim. And I knew that it was a fair way to do it because I didn't want the contractor to feel like they were going to, I wanted it to be a win-win situation. Okay. At that point, if I'm going to trade someone 85, or if you give me, you know, if I give you a dollar and you give me 85 cents back, that's a, or, you know, whatever we do it. It was, it was pretty much 15% of whatever I got was what okay. I was charging. Okay. Um, so it's, it's a, it's, it's the best way I feel like for the, the supplementer to care about the claim yeah, and make sure that they're fighting the appropriate amount of well, time. they're, they're or auditing or they're, it like thoroughly. They are. They're right? auditing they, it very thoroughly. There's, you a, want there's them to a financial time. incentive there. Exactly. You know, there to is. audit thoroughly. And so that's, that's important. But, but there's a fine line. But there's nothing like wrong about that. It's no, just, no, it's no, just no, no. by being uh, based on an incentive, a percentage of, of what is increased, it just makes you do a better job. It basically. makes you do a better job. It keeps, I, I'm an incentive based person. I believe in commissions. I believe that, you know, I, if someone if someone comes and asks for a base, I'm like they're probably not going to be that great, um, just because a base in my mind is is a safety net for someone that you know. So it's basically saying I'm, I'm I might suck at some point. Yeah. So at that point, I need to make sure that I'm okay. But you're if, a big uh, pay per performance person. Yeah, I love pay for. Per, I I think it's the only way to do it. Um, okay. And I think it's the way to give people the opportunity to to not to 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 basically not have a limit as to how much they can do. Yeah. Um. And so. At the end of the day, though, the the bad ones, there's bad apples out there that are going to hurt us, though. Yeah. And they've created this a little bit more negative side. I mean, if they're asking for things that were clearly not being done, yeah. You know, then it's 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 up to them to, you know, the contractor at that point is the one that looks bad, not the supplement company. And that's where it's important to know that you know, I guess there's sort of like this dark side of comp of supplementing in a there way is. where third party supplement maybe maybe trying to get items paid for that are not I've seen um, that are I've not seen some done. insane claims where I've looked at them and I'm like what are you asking for like like for example a porta potty on a small residential home exactly. right next to 711 exactly I'm right. like what are you are you actually putting a porta potty there yeah if you are then yeah. more power to you ask for it yeah but if you're not doing it then you can't ask for that yeah um there's there I've seen management hours okay are you really spending 8 hours on the job site yeah if not why are you going to ask for it yeah um you have to make sure that every line item is has number one. I always I always put them through a through some sort of test basically, and I want to make sure that number one I can prove that it's a hundred percent accurate and valid. Mm -hmm. That I have supporting documentation for my line item request. Okay. It's not just a, a contractor uh, just saying that based on what they know or contractor lingo. I want to make sure that it's legitimate. Everything yeah. has to be 100% legitimate. Black and white, there's no gray area. Like yeah. I don't want to let there be a gray area. If there's a gray area, 
The adjuster's not going to approve it, and the insurance company's not going to like that well, either. There's and certain gonna... items that do turn into gray areas. Like for example, I took a picture of some step flashing mm -hmm. uh, before we we removed it, and then I just couldn't make it to the job in time, right? And to show it being damaged on removal, so I took step flashing of the new of the new step flashing that, that's new afterwards. But the adjuster told me, "Look, man, I'm sorry. Like I need the picture of it being damaged." And I said, "You know what? I understand. Let's just not worry about and that." And if you, you know? and if that's the case, that's the case. Um, I try to show photos of, you know, the nails going through the step flashing. Yeah. Because typically, which a roofer really shouldn't do this, but I've seen them where they nail right into the step flashing. And okay. so when you tear it off, there's going to be a hole there. Yeah. What are you going to do with that hole? Yeah. Um, so you need to, I mean, the whole point of step flashing is to keep water from coming in. Now you have a piece of metal with holes in it. Well, a lot of times uh, perforated metal just isn't allowed. Yeah, pretty you know? much. So I mean, it's, it's yeah. But, but um, you know, there's always all these things that people do. And so I always tell contractors, so any contractor, listen, if you're using a third party, audit your third party supplementer. Okay. Make sure that the things you're that they're asking for are legitimately things that you're doing. And on the flip side, if you're a supplementer, audit your contractor. Yeah. Because, you know, you want to make sure that your contractors that you're working for are actually doing the things you're asking for. I had a contractor that I know that I was supplementing drip edge for, for example. And I yeah. know for a fact, I found out that they were not replacing the drip edge. Yeah. Okay, at what point do I say as a as a as a supplementer? Well, I have too much integrity. I can't do that. Yeah, and I literally turned that account off. Okay, I stopped working for them. Okay, because I'm not going to do that. I can't yeah. do that. And and here's the, like there is a list. Like I know that there's people out there that are getting um, blacklisted from insurance companies. And you know, at the end of the day, I'm I'm very proud of my work. Yeah, and I and I'm really I've I've been doing this for a really long time, and I've. I've always been careful not to stray into that area. Yeah. And as a contractor, you want to make sure that your supplementers aren't doing that because they're using your name. They're using your your logo. They're using your reputation. Right. If you want to be that known as that guy, then can go ahead and do it. But I personally won't won't do it and my and my clients aren't going to do it either. Yeah. And those yeah, are people that work with me. I completely agree with you 100%. I mean, I think it's important to uh to, to, you know, work with the insurance company in a friendly way. Exactly. To, My goal you know, is not to be against the insurance company. Yeah. I, I am, I'm a hundred percent. Uh, I, I, I believe in what insurance does. Yeah. I think it's, it's a vital part of our economy of what we do. Um, it's, it's a vital part of protecting our, our assets. Cause I mean, a home is someone's most important asset. Okay. I'm not going to cut a corner on someone's roof because that roof's going to affect everything in that house. Yeah. Okay. So, so I, in turn, I work side by side with the insurance company. I okay. always make sure that they understand, hey, look, it's you and me working to make this happen for our client. Yeah. We share the same client. Absolutely. And so at the end of the day, that's that's my goal is to, I'm not there to try to make their life difficult. I just have to show them why I'm asking for what I'm asking for. Yeah. And if I do my job correctly, there's no, there's no questions about it. Absolutely. There's no, there's no if, ands, or buts. It's, it's. It's like, hey, it's a, it's, it's really a no brainer. Obvious. Yeah, it's yeah, obvious. It's, it's like obvious. they can just say, hey, look, you know what? You've given me everything that I need to say yes. Yeah, I just needed to hear that. Absolutely. And so the way that you you present that is is extremely important. Um, and that's that's my job. My job is not to rip off insurance companies um, or take advantage of insurance companies in any way. And uh, any supplementer should never feel that way. Yeah. I never, and and for the most part, it's sad, you know, to go on the roofing industry forums and you start reading stuff, but. I also do, tra I, I'm, I have a travel trailer, so I travel okay. a lot. Okay. And I've noticed, and this is completely off subject, but it's the same concept, but I've noticed that everyone in the, in the travel and like world, the, the RV world, they all hate on, um, what's the big one? Uh, 
Camping World. Okay. They hate on Camping World. Yeah. Okay. Because they're like, man, Marcus Camping Lobotus. World. Marcus Lobotus. Mark, I love, okay. I personally, I like Marcus. <laughs> yeah, Lobotus, I love okay? that show. I think, I'm a big fan. Dude, he's, he's the man. <laughs> yeah, he's so, awesome. But one of the things that they do, they just they just hate on them because they, you only hear the bad. Yeah. Okay. Right. You don't hear the millions of people that have bought RVs there and are completely happy and satisfied with their purchase. Yeah. All you hear is a bunch of really loud people saying, I'm really upset. And it's the same thing on our side too. I think, and adjusters take note, everyone takes note of the aggressive ones. It seems like the aggressive people have been the loudest in the industry. Yeah. And the ones that want to like stick it to the insurance companies and are really ticked at them. Okay. Yeah. And Okay, there's going to be bad apples in every bunch. Let's right. let's be realistic. Okay, there's some insurance companies we know that are more difficult to work with than others. Well, but uh, John, I mean, I think it's important. I mean, there's <laughs> this could be a little controversial, but there's base. I've seen contractors who are very combative with insurance very companies. Very combative. And you know, and and I actually got trained by a person who's really combative. He was like, <laughs> I mean, I was I was I have to say I'm a little embarrassed that when we show up to meet when I was back in the day in 2011, I showed up to meet with an adjuster and he's just kind of like being real rude and, and unfriendly and just kind of like angry. And I was just kind of thought to myself like the guy just seems like he's just trying to do his job. Like why are you why are you nailing coming in coming down on him so hard? You know and. And I kind of like realize that I, that's that's sort of a trend in, it in is this a industry, trend. you know. And there's and it's a, it's a disturbing trend. Yeah, I'll put it that way. Yeah. But I think that there's a very quiet majority, though. Okay. Of roofers, roofers that realize that this that's not the that's not what we're here to do. Yeah. That's really not what our job is. Um, our job is to to fix people's homes. Yeah. Our job is to do our job right. And if you if you're a good contractor, you're not going to have these you know, this large percentage of fights with insurance company, you'll have some, don't get me wrong. Like there'll be some times where you have to prove your point or you got to go to appraisal. You got to do something, take another step for a homeowner. Yeah. And that's just, there's going to be moments like that. Yeah. But it's not, it's, it's the exception. Well, it's the not is, it the is the exception. Yeah. It's also, you can do it in a professional way. Exactly. There's, 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 there's certain steps that you could take. And I mean, this is a perfect, uh, you know, um, way to transition into the appraisal process. Oh, absolutely. Because I think, um, you know, there are, there are situations where, uh, the the customer is like getting paid for half a roof, for example, mm -hmm. and or just getting it paid for a repair. Or they're getting paid for seventy five shingles. Yeah. Okay. How are you gonna replace? How are you gonna repair seventy five shingles? Okay. Well, there and then there also there could be some hail. There's hail damage, but it's not necessarily like super obvious damage. You know, right. like all over the place. So, um, so then the a lot of adjusters will just pay for repair, call it good, see you later, and the client is left either doing a repair or just kind of, you know, having to pay out of pocket for a full replacement. So that's, those are kind of really interesting cases to me because that's what I call a problem claim. There is. And there's some claims that aren't necessarily problem claims, but people think they're problem claims when in reality it was just a bad policy that was sold. Okay. Um, and so I want to, I'm going to premise that like a lot of times contractors get really bent out of shape and they're banging their head against the wall and screaming at adjusters and adjusters just saying, look, this contract doesn't allow for that. Yeah. Okay. They had an exclusion. They had some reason why, and that's the that's another part of it too. You got to understand. Like, there's this is a contract usually. That's not a the insurance policy. The insurance policy is a contract. It's yeah. not a, it's not a just free for all. Okay. Yeah. Just because you have insurance doesn't mean that you may you may not you may not realize it as a homeowner. You may not understand what your insurance policy really is. Yeah. And that's that's a situation where you need to sit down with your agent and go through your policy line by line and really understand what you're buying, not just yeah. buy a policy. Yeah. Now. Let's say that there are there's so many different kinds. I mean, that's one thing we covered in your class, which is really enlightening. Well, and, you know? and that was just the overview kinds. Once you get into them, there's all kinds of special exclusions, and you can get into additional inclusions, like additional uh, stuff that that they could add to the policy. So it's there's all provisions that get added. I mean, there's 
so you can buy any type of policy that you want. Yeah. And so you got to be careful not to focus on how much the policy costs, but what the policy actually says it has. Yeah. Um, and most people would have no idea what a policy is. But back to the appraisal thing. So, um, the you know, there's times <coughs> where, yeah, insurance companies have just blatantly not paid what they should have paid. Or they've well, sent or out an unlicensed it's, it's somewhat, adjusters. It's somewhat like up to interpretation too. It's not necessarily blatant, right? I mean, because well, it could be, you know, it's got some wind damage to half the roof, mm-hmm. and then the adjuster says, "Well, the other, the other half looks okay. Let's just replace half the roof." Right, and that's and that's that's another guideline issue. Okay. Certain carriers have adopted certain guidelines that, frankly, are are more difficult and strenuous than other carriers. Um, and so guidelines are set from a much higher level than, in a, than a field adjuster. A field adjuster can say nothing about a guideline. They can't, they can't change the guideline. They're just there doing their job. Okay. Okay. So whoever writes guidelines that guideline, must be set by really high up, I'm guessing, right? They're set Risk way high up. assessment people. Mm-hmm. I mean, executives. And, and consultants come in. Attorneys. I mean, attorneys, all yeah. kinds of people. And they're, and they're running a business. Okay. Yeah, I understand right. like they have a business to run. And so at that point, the, the beautiful thing about most policies though is they do allow for the appraisal process. Okay. Which, you know, Jason was talking to us during the class yesterday. One of the things, you know, he mentioned, like, the appraisal process was is a really old process. Okay. And really what it was there for was for, back in the day, there was no replacement cost value coverage. It was very rare. You had mostly actual cost value. Everyone okay. was self-insuring for a certain portion of it. And so the point of appraisal was when you had issues with the, the you know, how much they were depreciating the roof, they were going to go back and, Open the open the claim back up. Have, bring in a third party. Make sure that the, that that it gets covered correctly. Okay. And so appraisal is that, that's kind of the point of it. But it's still it's still an option no matter where you are in the process. If if an insured has filed a claim, they have the option to take a claim to appraisal. So there's a lot of uh, you know consumers out there who just kind of feel, um, well, I guess I have to pay for the other half of the roof, right? Or right. I, just, I guess I just have to do the I repairs. Guess, I guess I, that's, do. I just got to take it in the chin and move on. Yeah, I mean, it's the insurance company that said they're not paying, so that's it. Let's right. figure it out from there. But and, and so they're just not aware that there's the appraisal process. Right, which is well, kind and of... There, and there's also, you know, working with a public adjuster. We yeah, don't want to get absolutely. too far into that, right? Because I'm really, I really want to dial in on this appraisal thing because what, what Jason Monday is doing is pretty incredible. <laughs> I want to at least, you know, talk a little bit about that. So and, the clients, let's pretend we have a, a, a client. Right, he's okay. got a small roof. He's got a little. Um, he's got a two thousand square foot roof. Right, and they paid for half the roof. So now he's stuck with, um, you know, f- uh, you know, maybe two thousand bucks after his deductible. Mm-hmm. And he's like, now uh, he got an estimate from a roofing contractor. The roofing contractor said, well, um, it's going to cost ten thousand, and I can't do just half the roof. It doesn't make sense to do half a roof because of the way the components are installed. So then uh, the customer's like, I well, guess I have I to pay the eight thousand. Almost impossible to do a half roof. I mean, yes. you can do it, but it's like. It's a Frankenstein roof at that point. It is. I mean, it's going to look really weird for one. And then also the way the underlayment is installed over the ridge, you have to tear into the other side. And thankfully, uh, you had Greg Markey here, but thankfully, like, these, uh, the, the manufacturers have, they know about this. And they've they've been very clear about giving us clear instructions that, hey, this material doesn't exist anymore. Most of the time, they change oh, those things. Oh, discontinued material. That's huge. Yeah. Every yeah. three or four years, they're changing their product line. Yeah. And so it's if you had a roof that's a 10-year-old roof... More than likely, that roof's not going to be available anymore. Those shingles well, aren't available. Especially if it's tile roofing. Oh, it's, tile roofing is a whole other world. Yeah. yeah. If it's tile roofing, it's almost certainly discontinued. <coughs> 
So let's get back to that. So then the the client meets meets us, okay. right? And we're like, okay. Um, so they're like, well, I, I guess I have to pay the other part. We say, well, let's let's talk about this first. Um, let's talk about something called the appraisal clause, right? Right. And they're like, what's that? Well, the appraisal clause is, from an overview perspective, um, this is going to just be very layman's terms here. Yeah. But it's the opportunity. It's 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 kind of like the uh, the appeal process. Okay. Within the insurance industry, basically, it's the last step before you really need to go to like court or mediation or, you know, hire an attorney. A lot of times people will say, oh, you mean like my real estate appraiser? Yeah, they say, no, it's completely separate. It's for an insurance loss appraisal. It has to be a third party. You can't use your contractor as your appraiser. Hmm. The insured has to invoke the appraisal process first off. Okay. And you can refer someone as a contractor, say, hey, this is someone I recommend that you use for appraisal. Um, but you can't, there's, there cannot be a fiduciary interest between that appraiser and that claim. Okay. So it has to be sort of like an unbiased, disinterested third party. Correct. They're your appraiser. Yep. And you have to invoke it, which it can be as simple as sending an email to the insurance It literally company. can be as simple as sending an email. That's kind of huge because I had an adjuster in here and we talked about appraisal and we, you know, it was a little more complicated than that. So um, we, the way we talked about it yesterday in your class was in my mind kind of revolutionary, to be honest with you. Well, because sending an email demanding appraisal is pretty awesome. Well, to, to be frank, like most companies don't specialize in appraisal. Yeah. There's very few people that what they do is appraisal 100% of the time almost or close to it. And Jason and them, that's what they do. Yeah. And they literally have pretty much focused on the smaller claims, the, yeah. you know, the 50,000 and below claims. They don't, Which is they don't, incredible. It is incredible because most appraisals, appraiser firms, you got to go to like an engineering firm or some sort of roof consultant that may do the appraisal process and they're the ones that specialize in it, but they don't want to touch anything small. They're looking at, and small to them is usually about a hundred thousand or below. Yeah. Um, everything above a hundred grand they're excited about below that they don't want to touch because yeah. I mean, bigger money, bigger payday. But essentially the, uh, what, what they've done is they've, they've simplified this process. Cause yeah, it's, it could just be an email. There's a boilerplate email that gets sent out and that invokes the appraisal process. Okay. And so it, and it says, Hey, here's, here's my, I'm going to go to Appraisal. Here's my. I'm invoking appraisal. Here's who I've assigned as my appraiser. And the basic, uh, the basic uh, appraisal request is just kind of saying we're having a disagreement. You know, yep. you're you, changing you're, the conversation. You're paying the ha- you're paying for half the roof. I, I need a full roof. In my opinion, is we should get the full roof. Well, so you're just saying I'm not in know. agreement with the with the outcome of the claim or what your decisions okay. are here. And it could be anything. You can you can appraise at any point on any claim that you want to appraise it. Okay? okay, that is your right as an insured. Okay, so. That's that's if, if your policy allows for it. Now, that's not all policies don't not not every policy has the appraisal clause. Okay. Okay. So you got to make sure your policy does have the appraisal clause in it, and then how would they find out out discussing it with your insurance company? Ask your agent. Get a okay. copy of the insurance policy yeah. if you don't have one. Mm-hmm. Um, nobody reads their insurance policies though. Yeah. So you know it'd probably be smart I mean, to have someone. It seems like the majority of them, the vast majority have them, like a, a normal standard HO three policy. Like most that policies. Most Per that are that are lender policies. If you if you have a mortgage on your house, then you probably have appraisal in there. I'd always say like just go ahead and demand appraisal if you don't have it, and they're going to come back. It's like sorry, it's not you don't have that. Clause, yeah, you so, could you could do that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, but then I would want proof of that. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. that's that's adjuster John speaking for a minute there. Okay. <laughs> so let me premise that. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, the appraisal process is simple. Anyone that's willing. And so what happens after they send that? A, okay, so yeah, your appraiser has to be an unbiased. Third party. A third party who's who's also willing and competent. Willing and competent. They have to be able to write an estimate, right? Correct. They yeah. gotta know 
construction. They got to know how to build a roof, how to how to properly do it. You can't get your brother-in-law who works as King Supers. For yeah, example. that's that's gonna be a that's gonna be a conflict of interest there. Okay. So yeah, you don't want to. It's not do a that. disinterested third party. No, they're not disinterested at all. They wanna they wanna see you get as much as you can at that point. You can't necessarily just find someone on Google either. No, like, you know. Um, no, you have to. Uh, you can, but it's it's very difficult. Their appraisers are very. Uh, they kind of fly under the radar. Yeah. And, it's uh, very specialized, I it feel. It is very specialized. And it's a very, um, you, you really, Jason Money would be the one that really talk about this a lot better. Well, I really want him to come in here yeah, one I, of these but, days for sure. But as far as what, you know, what an appraiser does, it's it's a whole different world. And homeowners insureds need to understand what that that, that process even exists. Yeah. Um, and I and I and that's why it's important to hire a good contractor that can explain that process to you. Yeah. Um, as a homeowner. But Contractors, you understand that, that process exists. A and lot of them don't. Yeah, no, it's, very I mean, few. I mean, we were do. in the cl- your class. There was, uh, you know, a couple of guys well, that were like, well, "Wait, it's what?" It's funny because that's yeah. gets, that's always a big. It's a big topic when we're talking about stuff during the class. Uh, as soon as the appraisal starts, stuff starts to come out. It just kind of wait, wait. I want to talk about appraisal again, you know. Yeah. And so I've kind of made it a point to have Jason kind of call in and talk about it a little bit. Yeah. Um, and it well, helps. I found that a lot of contractors they they kind of shy away when it becomes a problem claim like that because, I mean, it is kind of a hassle, you know. Well, it, it, it could be. It could be if you don't really know what you're doing, you know. It could be, and and you know. And that's the thing where if you're a good contractor, those are your your problem claims should be the ones that give you the best reviews. I gotta tell you, I love problem claims. I, I think you should love. Problem I claims. love problem claims. Um, I mean, these people are so cool. They're so thankful. And they're so thankful because they can and see the amount of effort that you've done and that you actually care about their house and you care about their what yeah. the outcome is. I also and, don't blow smoke up yep. their butt because <laughs> uh, if you're a, if you you're know, insured and you you're trying to hire somebody make a problem up somewhere see how they handle it at the beginning because that could be a good way to find out and vet your contractor and see if they're going to be any good well the thing is i have to really believe it's going to go through yeah absolutely you know personally and if i don't really believe that i'm just gonna let them know i don't think you i think you might be you know spinning your wheels here we can try it but you know um, i don't want to give you too much hope but but, you know there's other people where i'm just kind of like hey look we need to do this this is more than just you getting Mm -hmm. a roof this is like there's damage i know we can help you let's go ahead and they're just like armando do whatever you do we need to do here, yeah you know? exactly yeah and and so at that point they basically just invoke it they invoke the appraisal process um they the insurance company has to pick their third party unbiased person as well okay. so, so they have a certain amount of time to do that too 20 right? days okay typically is that like a, that's like a legal thing i believe it is okay. um so this is a Jason question. Okay. Um, but yeah, it's but there's a certain amount of time. They for have the a certain they have a time company. frame. Okay. And then, which is good because that quits the the, the delay and, and you're all just going to basically you're going to get to an outcome. Yeah. And so the the they pick their appraiser, and then they have a third party that's called an umpire. Okay. Um. So the two appraisers usually are the ones that work on the claim. But doing an umpire is fairly rare, though. I found. Yeah, you usually don't get to the umpire level. Um, yeah. There are times where you do get to that point, but have typically, you been through some with umpire? Not with an umpire. Yeah, no. I haven't either. I mean, um, it's fairly rare. I mean, Jason talks about the ones that he's gone through. Gotten close, but yeah. you know, it seems to be we can. Usually, the appraisers are going to work out the the problem, and, and basically, it's like they're, they're they call it a panel. Those guys. So, are the and panel. that's kind of the the point here is the two appraisers come together and they work out the problem. Right. They don't even necessarily have to go to the job site, right? Not not always. They don't. Okay. I mean, they they can work off of estimates. They can work off of photos. Um, they do go to the job site from time to time though, and 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 inspect the property. But most of the time, they're just trying to figure out where the differences are, what the problem is, and then okay. come up with the best solution for everybody. And the the two appraisers sort of work together. They, they do. cooperate to they, a certain they, extent. Well, right? they they share information. Okay. And uh, and they don't. They're not. Working together, 
Um, they're both hired from two different parties. They're yeah. looking at it from two different angles. Okay. But if they can come to an agreement, then they're gonna that, that agreement is binding, and that's what I mean, gets sent every back. single appraisal I've worked on. Uh, John it has been successful for the client. Yeah, I have it, not it typically had one is. that was not. It typically the only is. one I can think of that was not. It wasn't even that it wasn't successful. We just they just wouldn't pay for like a little bit of shingles on like a dormer because the dormer was like a little bit, you know, uh, <laughs> independent from the house. And I said, you know what? We're talking about, you know, three, four hundred bucks. Let's mm -hmm. just close this thing and get it done. And, and, you know, some claims don't even make it to appraisal. Once you invoke it, they have those 20 days or their time limit there. Yeah. And I've noticed that as a supplementer that a lot of my supplements get approved during that appraisal that time period there. I've been down that road too. Yeah, yep. so yep. so invoking appraisal, cool yeah, I mean, it's just basically saying, hey, look, I'm serious about this. Yeah. I'm not just going to, you know, take this in the chin and walk away. So like, let's say the the, home, the consumer is thinking, invokes the appraisal. Yep. They're thinking they're going to have to go through this sort of uh, kind of like a mock arbitration in a way. It's a very informal arbitration, right? But instead they, they get a call from the insurance adjuster and they say, wait, we saw that you sent this. Uh, what are we, why, why are you doing this? And then the homeowner can just say, well, you can either talk to my contractor or I can tell you, I mean, you paid for a repair. I need a whole roof. Right. And then they say, well, let's talk to your contractor. Maybe we can meet them at the it site. It changes the level of who's looking at the claim. Okay. You know, it changes the eyes. It goes to a different department usually within the insurance carrier. Yeah. And at that point, they're going to decide, do we really want to go through with this? Because it's going to cost them money to hire an appraiser. And typically they're going to, it's going to, it's going to typically not go in their favor. Um, for the insurance company? Yeah, for the okay. insurance company. So they, yeah. they're, they're trying to decide, is it worth it or not? And most times it's just worth it to just say, hey, look, we're just going to, we're going to find our differences here and let's, let's, let's move on. Well, John, I've had, I've have heard, uh, I, I've experienced um, insurance adjusters calling them and, and telling the homeowner, this is not a good decision. This is going to be very expensive. This is, you may, you could go to court. You could get, you could need a lawyer. Are you ready to hire a lawyer? You know, let's just figure this out. And, you know, we're, let's just, can you get half the roof done, you know, and really like lean into the client, man. I've like, I've witnessed that. And I'm getting a frantic call from the client. Be like, hey man, should I be doing this appraisal Well, thing? they'll send out letters and the letters seem, they say a lot of, a lot of crazy stuff sometimes. Yeah. Um, it's kind of unfortunate. I it is like unfortunate. That, you know? Um, but it's a business. Yeah. I mean. I have attorneys, you have attorneys, everyone has attorneys, and attorneys do their job very well. Yeah. And they're 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 paid to do stuff like that. Yeah. And well, no, it was the insurance company, like the right, adjuster but it's calling usually, the homeowner. It's usually because an attorney at the insurance company has advised them this is an, this is an option for you. Okay. Um, but typically, like, it's not, you know, it's it's a very, it's it's kind of a, it's the Wild West. You know, appraisal is a different world. Okay. And so the way they respond to it can tell you a lot about who you're dealing with as an, as a carrier. Yeah. Do you want to be a customer of that company after that yeah. event? Um, that's that's a big question. Well, there. I just kind of told my clients, I said, look, just just let them know, hey, uh, talk to my appraiser, please. Right. Uh, talk to the contractor if you want. I'm just kind of like, I, I'm just, I don't want to be stuck in the middle. Right. And, and then they, they kind of like, leave, you know, leave them alone and they go back to the appraisal process, which is a fairly straightforward, kind of a simple process. It's very you know? simple. Because like, let's just say once, once they get to, once the two disinterested parties meet, then they, they kind of, you know, um, figure out what the problem is, come to a solution. And, and then, then the, the client gets uh, what's called an award. An letter, award, yep. They, right? And that award's binding. And at that point, it's done. There's not so really. So that could be one kind of like, I've heard people say that's one of the negative parts of it. It's like whatever is decided by the two appraisers, that's final. Yep. So if they decide, you know what, you, you get a half appraiser. roof. That's why you got to make sure you get a you get a competent person okay. that can look at that from a non-biased way, but also understand how roofing really works and how yeah. roof systems work, okay. and that a roof is a system. It's not a bunch of individual components 
you know, stuck together that you Absolutely. can, that you can re- remove and replace, every, you know, individually. Um, it's a system and it's, mm-hmm. it's, I don't, I don't agree with patches. I don't think patches are a good solution for a roof. Yeah. Um, just because they, they're impo- they're really hard to get in there to get a, to get a patch done right. You're going to damage shingles. Yeah. You're going to damage things on the roof. Yeah. Um, you're, well, you're, that's why you paid for premiums, you know, right. to, to, and, to avoid stuff and like you that. You had a roof without patches before. Why do you want a roof with patches now? Is yeah. that, is that full indemnification at that point? Yeah. And that's the reality. Um, you know, they're, 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 they're supposed to be made whole. Yeah. And that's not being made whole in my mind. So that is, I thought it could be a negative point. It's like if a consumer's like, you know what, I'm going to do this appraisal thing, whatever. I guess the worst case scenario is I wind up with half a, paying for half a roof. And you, you can't that lose. Could be, you're, but not, you're not going to go backwards. They're not going to go backwards, which is good. But whatever is decided is final, which, right. which in a small claim, I mean, it, they, I, it's kind of like um, there's not a whole lot of options because unfortunately on small claims, the adjuster, uh, there's not a whole lot of people who want to work on them. Right. You know, right. like public adjusters. Yeah. PAs don't like to touch them because um, they're they're obviously paid a percentage. They want to go after the big claims. Yeah. Um, most appraiser firms don't want to touch it. Uh, thankfully, like indemnity and these guys are starting to starting to really focus in on that market. And yeah. It's, and it's an untapped market. Yeah. And if, it is. you know, and I, and I trust well, I, that I, I those work, guys. I work in that market. Yeah. No, and, and, but it, it's just a struggle. I only have, you know, two guys who work on it. And one of them was in here and he's like, man, look, I'm just committed to homeowners, man. I just want to <laughs> help these homeowners. I don't care what the size of the claim is, you know, and, and that's really cool. You know, I really can appreciate that. That's the unicorn. It is. That's it hard is. to find. It is. So, um, so yeah, let's, uh, let's kind of go, we're going to probably start kind of wrapping it up. But one thing I wanted to, um, kind of go change gears a bit is, Talking a little bit about, you know, one thing you said, Ben, gave us the class was that fulfillment checklist. Okay. And I think that's huge. You know, I mean, I, I, I have a, uh, my own checklist and, and I, and I, and it's, it's okay, but like, man, that fulfillment checklist was very detailed. And that basically is a checklist that allows you to get to a property and properly document photo with photographs, everything that is required to get that roof done. And the, right? and the reality is that checklist isn't one size fits all. There's certain things in there you don't really, you're not going to have on every property. There's certain things in there that you, that aren't in there that you're going to need on every property. Yeah. Or that you may need on that particular property. Um, but it's a, it's a guideline and it's a good way to, to keep your guys and keep yourself, your company, uh, documenting things the right way. At least it's a, have it's a, a very thorough, like, yeah. you know, a document. Yeah, it I is. In, in a lot of companies, they hire people to do that okay. um, individually just because they want to document everything, make sure that they have a good file on that on that job, on that customer. Yeah. And and I encourage it. It's a good that. idea. Well, I, I encourage it for a lot of reasons, <laughs> but I think it's 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 super important that you keep that. I mean, for liability, just to have, just for the liabil- liability alone, like how many times have you been on a roof and someone says, hey, that was, well, you guys broke that. You guys broke that light. You guys damaged this. You guys damaged that. And I go back yeah. and say, wait a second. I'm sorry, we we didn't damage it. I have photos, you know. This was damaged beforehand or whatever, you know. That's huge. That's huge. <laughs> That's huge. You gotta well, have with that. driveways especially. Oh yeah. Sometimes the um the, the driveway can get damaged by the and supplier, expensive. you know, oh, yeah. and, and not necessarily by us. But we're I've getting had blamed that happen. for it, you yep. know. Um, yeah. So you know, I think I want I do want to mention Company Camp. They're not a sponsor. <laughs> they're not getting paid. I'm not getting paid a cent by them. But man, they've been so indispensable with they all this. They have, and they've and they've uh, they've kind of flown under the radar. They're starting to become more and more. Uh, prevalent and there, and a lot of people are starting to use it more. I've noticed that I've gotten a lot more company cam links, so it's great for me as a supplementer to yeah. get those links. Um, for marketing, it's great. Yeah. For uh, for all these, and then then I always have my million dollar reason why I think everyone needs company cam. But yeah. Um, well, I'm trying to get Luke Hansen in here. 
You should do it. I need to get him in here. Yeah. Or yeah, even it, get Michael. I want Luke. Okay, that's cool. <laughs> yeah, he can't. I don't want to get him going on cryptocurrency, but he's really into cryptocurrency. But yeah, I really want. He, he's got an interesting story. I, I like Michael. Gogan, yeah. great guy and stuff. Um, but I really want Luke in here. So maybe he'll listen to this and be like, "Okay, fine, I'm gonna get I'll in there. Send it, I'll send it to him. I'll yeah, make sure he listens to yeah, it. yeah. Send it to him, please. And so, um, but yeah, I mean, it's so indispensable because it, it allows you to take. I mean, I take. Uh, you know, before company cam, it was such a hassle. I didn't want to take photos. I'm like, why, you know, and because I had to like well, download even, them, my phone would get full. And even CRMs, know? like they're fun, and they and they can do they can do a lot of photo stuff too that company yeah. cam does. Yeah. But I feel like company cam has just taken it to another level. Um, you know, being able to to easily notate things on a photo, point at stuff, you know, do all that good stuff that they do. Yeah. And then, I mean, for me, it's great because it's I've always had trouble getting information from contractors. Yeah. And so I hate going through and having to even get in job Nimbus is. I, I don't know if I should get into this, but yeah. I'm not trying to throw anyone under the bus. If you use Jobnim, it's great. But I use Jobnim as I love them. I'm a big in, fan. <laughs> well, compared to like Aculinks, though, yeah, I feel like Aculinks has the photo part a little bit better done. Yeah, it's easy for me to scroll through photos in Aculinks. Yeah, yeah Jobnim is, is too, yeah. difficult to fo- to scroll through. Well, the thing photos. is, they both have problems with the app, though. They do. You know, out in the field. And so I mean, with company no cam, I haven't deal. I, well, when it comes to photos, they've, mm-hmm. they've, they've uh, company cam has specialized just on photos and really. And dialed they've done it a in. great job. So like, even when we're offline, we can use photos, and then the way we can, um, like, if there's ice and water shield the perimeter, sometimes it's hard to really see it like really well. So I'll take an overview, uh, annotate the, right. the the picture on company cam, which is super easy to do, and then do a close up and annotate it again, just showing ice and water shield. It's like super clear. Well, that's know? the whole point. The the clearer you can you can tell your story. To an adjuster or, the, yeah. or to an insurance company, the the, the more likely, uh, the the less likely they are to push back at you. Yeah. Because you can't you can't fight facts. Yeah. Facts are facts. Um, you can fight opinions all day long. Like we can have totally different opinions about anything, and we right. can argue about it forever. Yeah. But as far as a fact, like if it's black and white, I have a photo. Here it is. This is what this is. Yeah. There's no argument there. Like a photo showing thirty pound felt on the roof. Yeah, you've. If you, you know. can, if you have that, you're, you're golden. Like, I yeah. mean, you cannot argue that. And that's yeah. a big thing. So I think I was telling you a little bit, I, I want to at least give guys a couple, couple supplements that they can kind of use because, um, oh, one yeah, of them is sure. like, you know, I, I really believe strongly in getting to the job site bright and early with the crew. Yep. So you, uh, you, cause then you start, lay, you help them lay out the tarps for, right. for that. That's a supplement, <laughs> property protection, property protection, um, you know, and then you can greet your homeowner and say hello and, and kind of explain that we're going to get a bunch of photos here. Reiterate again, this is a supplement um, process. And you had a great one yesterday too. Yeah. Um, so your the little, your little trick was good. I liked it i wrote that down oh with the the shingle gauge uh-huh. yeah that was so good. well one of them is uh the big one big one is the 30 30 pound felt because well, yeah. when I, I can usually tell this 30 pound felt because I'll, I'll stick my my finger and i can see it's very thick see, it's it's hard for me to argue 30 pound felt it's as super a, hard as a industry standard because they like no we don't care. yeah well what you got to do is you got to watch the crew tear it off mm-hmm. and you got to look for the the packaging of the original felt which is hard to find it's hard to find yep. so that's why you got to be there early you got to be on your job you got to look at it and you that's find a big it. difference though it's a big it's difference it's a huge difference yeah because once you find that stamp you get a nice photo of it annotate it's it with done. company cam you're done you're getting you're 30 done. pound felt yep. well what we'll do is we'll upgrade them to synthetic felt right you know uh, but to that helps offset synthetic. that cost and 30 helps pound felt synthetic is yeah. not that far off in price yeah um, yep. but it helps you so much more 
Yeah, that's that's a huge one though. Yeah, that's huge. I think, um, and then th- there's the other one that's a little tricky. It's hard to explain. I think, but using a Hague shingle gauge yep. to show the warranty of the that roof. Was good. Yeah, I, I do that to show, um, you know, thirty. I, I should do a video of that. Throw it on YouTube. You should. I think, yeah, I think I'll probably do I that think, at some point. Like, because there's a th- laminated shingle if it's thirty, forty, fifty, or whatever it is, it looks the same at the top of the roof. Yeah. Until you actually yes. rip it off, you can you don't know what you're dealing with, but unless you have a, a, a shingle gauge with you. So that's what a lot of people don't know. Most is roofers don't even know gauge. what a shingle gauge is. Yeah, so I'm, um, I'm it is a more fulfillment sheet though. Pardon? Oh, it, is it really? It is. Yeah. Okay. Oh, nice. Mm-hmm. Okay. Good. So, and there's other things you could do without the shingle gauge. You could flip it over, mm-hmm. and, and a lot of times I see right there that it's like impact resistant. It's on the and it happened to be damaged. Um, it's I've, I haven't experienced that. I have replaced one malarkey roof. I told Greg Malarkey <laughs> that too, but it was a 15 year old roof, and it was only damaged really on one side where the hail really came in strong, like two and a half inch hail. But I, I, I told him, I was like, I could not, I, w- I was quite shocked that it was a 15 year roof. It looked, I, I literally told the adjuster maybe five and he's like, well, I, I I'm going to get the paperwork from the client. I was like, okay, cool. It turned out it was 15 because the way that, that malarkey, um, adheres the granules with like engineered asphalt, yep, that S- they don't the modified, come off. uh, what's it called? Uh, SBS. It SBS. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's pretty incredible. So, but anyways, that's those are some supplements that guys can be on if they're at their job. I mean, early, you gotta early. look for your gable cornices. You gotta check yeah. your drip edge. You gotta make sure you got all your code documents right. Make sure there's proper valley linings um, being put in. Crickets, crickets are a big one. People don't people don't go after crickets very often. Yeah, and a lot of roofers don't install crickets either. Um, they should be, but it's a, it's a it's a definite line item. Yeah. Um, you know, you're gonna have. Chimney chase covers. A lot of people don't go after the chimney chase. About uh, valley linings. Valley lines. I said valley linings. Okay. Um, ice and water shield or metal, whatever it is. Okay. Um, I love when you they rip off a roof and you got multiple layers of felt. Yeah. I mean that's a that's going to take up more time. Company uh, cam documents that real easy too. Yep, you can everything, really... and I like that you can have your crews use it too if you needed to. I can. I've been doing that lately. Mm-hmm. It's it's always been a struggle with crews to get them to take photos because they, right. they they don't they don't understand like a lot of times overview and close up. Right. They just get close ups. And, and then <laughs> it's just, hard to tell what's white. Yeah. And so, how do you um, prove this was this house? Yeah. So it's been nice because I'm bilingual as you are. And, yeah. and it's easier to explain to them how to take this photo, how to take an overview and a close up. And, you know, I will say being bilingual in this industry yeah. is huge. I know. It's huge. It's huge. It's huge. Yeah. I told one of my guys, look, uh, you're the last like monolingual guy we're going to get because, yep. I mean, when you're not bilingual, it makes it so much harder. It you does. know, we, we have, there are some good apps out there now though, which really help, I think. Um, but I told him if you sell still a certain same, amount, I'm going to send them to Peru and, and be in a class. <laughs> <laughs> so anyways, um, John, I think we're going to wrap it up, man. I really appreciate you, uh, you, you being here and I really appreciate, um, you know, all the information, extremely valuable information Absolutely. you share. Yeah. Thank you so much, Armando. I think what you're doing is amazing. I think the podcast is, a uh, the wave of the future here. Yeah. And I think anyone that l- that's listening to this, you know, this is a, this is a guy who you guys need to follow. You guys need to follow this podcast because I, I see a lot of great value here. Yeah. I want to keep building it up, you know, and, and just kind of, uh, like I said, offer really good content, really Absolutely. educational content to consumers and fellow contractors, yep. you know, and, and especially people who might be interested in getting in the roofing business and they're not, they're not sure what it's all well, about. You and know, there's a whole new generation coming up now of guys that are, you know, that did what we did, you know, and this, are yeah. getting ready to start their own businesses or start to do their own thing. The next, you know, the next generation is coming up and yeah. they're going to need this information. Well, we just hired a guy who's literally just turned 18. Yeah. Bilingual kid. And he, uh, first job and mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's pretty, pretty nice to imagine uh, if we had all this information in 2011. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I would, I would have, 
I would have gone so much faster. Well, I think it does take time to learn all this stuff, it you does. know, obviously. You I, do I feel it. like people don't I think doing the podcast and really the internet can accelerate things because you can join it so much faster. Uh, yeah, you can join groups, you know, on 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 mm-hmm. online. I mean, I've learned so much from the groups online yep. and uh, you know, I've learned um, from from just going to free training classes by my supplier, free training classes. Uh, Randy Brothers was in here, and he he does uh, training classes. He just did I mean, one on Mike Monday. That was great. free. There's, yeah, Mike does one. I mean, there's free stuff there's out there. There's so much stuff out there, and there's so many opportunities to learn more. And if you really want to, yeah. Um, I, I have a I have a philosophy about paid training versus free training. Though. Okay. And so I, I feel like there's a certain level of I have a hard time with free training. Okay. Um, so and it's not because I don't want to give information away for free. I actually, I love to, I love to help people. And I love doing trainings. Um, but I, I have this and Russell, Russell Brunson is the one that says this. I don't know if you're familiar with Russell. Yeah, a little but, bit. Um, but when he was in college, he was a wrestler. And so he talks about in his book, how he was, he was a D one wrestler and his, he had this problem with some, one some of his moves or something. He had a move that he was struggling with. So his coach gave him a, gave him a, a DVD Okay. before he gave it to him. I said, Russell, give me all the money that's in your wallet. Okay. He said, I want every dime that you got. Okay. And he said, all right. So he gave him the money. He gave him the DVD. He said, now you're going to watch that because you just invested in it. Yeah. And so I, agree. I believe that when you, when you take that step and invest in yourself in, yeah. in, in training, you really, you really care about it and yeah. you're going to pay attention to it. I rarely have people that don't show up at my classes. Yeah. Because it, it costs them money and Absolutely. they're going to show up and they pay attention and they're taking notes and they're like absorbing as much as they can during that, during that yeah. seven, eight hours that we're in there. And so- <laughs> want to get your money's worth. They want to get their money's worth. Yeah. And I, and I, I like that because at that point I know that they go home with something valuable. Yeah. And so free, there's a d- big difference. I, I think you do have to be careful with pay training. You do have to be you careful. Because uh, I have a friend of mine who dropped 20 grand on, on, a, on a paid training coach. And uh, she was yeah. not happy about that. She's like, it was not what, what she expected. There's, and she's actually one who told me, be really, really careful with, with who's training. Like, make sure they've, been, they've done what you want to mm-hmm. do, you know, for one, and make sure that they are successful already and they want to show you and that. And I'm trying to be careful about that. You know, I, I always, my biggest stress is I want to bring as much value as I can. Yeah. I don't want to. I don't want to just come in. I want to prepare and bring as much information as I can and, and really help help a company change or help help the culture change and help people change their direction. Because well, you do private trainings with companies, right? I do private trainings as well. That's So I've, that's the whole other part where guys are using in-house Yeah, well, not right? even in-house. It's, it's to train them on the process. Like there's no one's teaching the insurance process the right, or, or at least, you know, giving them the whole the whole process. The way you did in the class as far yeah, as like, like, this is insurance, this is what it covers, this what it is how it covers. works. Like, yeah. and, and I didn't know that stuff. I yeah. learned that stuff when I became an adjuster. Right. And I realized, man, we don't know any of this stuff. Like, we don't yeah. really know what we're dealing with. We act like we're insurance specialists. We'll put it on our business card. I don't do that anymore, but yeah. No, I, but I mean, people do though. People <laughs> did for oh, a it's long all over time. The place. And, and it was like, are you really an insurance specialist? Or are you not? If yeah. you, you don't claim to be something that you're not mm. and actually understand this process because there's nothing more frustrating to an adjuster yeah. than when you're trying to tell a contractor, dude, like this is the reality. Like this is what this contract says. And the contractor is just like screaming at you and telling you, no, it's not the case. You need to pay for this. Have you been in that situation? Uh, as, a, as an adjuster? Yeah. No, in fact, okay. when I went, when I when I ran when I did a I did a cat two years ago. Okay, I ran like 140 claims. Wow! And 
I had like three adjusters show or three contractors show up. Oh, really? That's time. it? Oh my well, gosh. I snuck up on them. Okay. Be, I'm going to be real. Like I snuck <laughs> up on these claims because I was there. You're there like, like two hours early? <laughs> no, I didn't. I would barely, like I would tell them like the night before. Okay. And then I would just like, and then at the end of the day, like if I got done early. It's because you didn't really want to deal with them, I right? didn't want to deal with anyone. Like I just yeah. wanted to write. And first off, I can't do anything. Like You I'm, have guidelines. I have guidelines. I'm yeah. going to do, and I'm going to do the best that I can. Yeah. And then, you know, I think out of all those claims, I had two subpoenas come in. And okay. they both got dropped. Okay. Because at the end of the day, like, I know what I wrote. Like the, the homeowner <laughs> wanted to sue the insurance company? Like the insurance company redid my claim, essentially. Oh. And so, you know, they sued the insurance companies. Well, it never went to actually go to, to any type of trial because my word would, would have destroyed So you, like, everything. approved the roof and they said, uh, it's not, just do a damn, it's, yeah, it's a, a repair instead. Yeah, like I wrote, an, I wrote gotcha. my estimate accordingly and then they changed it. In, and in the house. attorney will call you and say, oh, hey, you've been subpoenaed. What are you going to say? Yeah. And you say, well, I'm going to say that I approved the roof. Exactly. And like, we better just pay this claim. Yeah, well, let's need to find a way to work this out. Yeah, gotcha. Um, and so in, in Florida, it's a different world though. Okay. Um, but that was down there. But I... I I love the process. I yeah. love every part of it. I love, I mean, being an adjuster is a great career. Yeah. I want to be real. Like adjusters absolutely. having a, yeah. they have a great opportunity to help people. It is. Um, but contractors. It's kind of entrepreneurial, you know, is. to a certain extent. There, there's a lot of independent guys. I, I know. I've, I've talked to certain, some adjusters though, who they, uh, the ma management can sometimes be really difficult. It is. You know? Yeah. I mean, you're, you're having to work within guidelines. Guidelines are the most frustrating part because okay. you want to do what you can and you can't. But at the end of the day though, you know that adjusters know, you know, when you meet with an adjuster and they say, well, you know, we know what you guys are going to do, do your thing, you know, yeah. essentially. And so. Like they're sort of implying like, just go ahead and supplement this Yeah, claim. go ahead and get it paid just for. Just get it, some you know. good pictures. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Document, I mean, do they the kinda, right I, I'm, You know, I, I get along really well with most adjusters and they yeah. pretty much tell me straight up, I'll get that. Just give me some good pictures. Exactly. Like, cool. Right. And that's the thing, like, we're all human. Like, we're all trying to yeah. do what we can. We yeah. all have to work within our companies guidelines i mean these are insurance companies that's all they are yeah i mean they're there to, to write a check and do the right thing but they gotta also watch out for abuse they gotta watch out for absolutely i mean they're 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 a business yeah i mean it's like just like any well, other business. they're a very they're a very wealthy business too they and are. so they're a target and they have you know? but they have shareholders they have boards they have all kinds of people that are watching everything that's going on yeah and well they have the government they're the regulated. government's writing them yeah everybody's you know the banks the lenders all these people are coming together and so it's you know uh, what? i feel bad for insurance companies <laughs> i'm just <laughs> kidding i don't know if i necessarily <laughs> feel bad for them but i've learned to understand all these them. contractors wanting all their money right well and that's and that's what I find like it's so cool with what I do because I'm not there to to, to destroy insurance companies. I'm there to help people understand what insurance companies really do. Yeah, well, I, I kid about it, but I have I've been on claims where the adjuster would pay for, for example, a um, a laminate roof, like a basic uh, builder grade roof. Right. And they have they, the client actually had a like a heavyweight luxury designer shingle. As long as you it's can show kind that, kind of like yeah. But well, no, I did show that. I sent pictures, sent in a supplement, and the adjuster called my uh, the, the client and said. Um, you're straight up said like that your contractor is a crook and trying to screw the insurance company <laughs> and my client like let him have it she's like you are like this is well, like this she is, really let him have it dude this is it was like wow I've customer. never heard my client speak like that yeah. she's like a really friendly older gal you know yeah. and so it was uh, it was pretty crazy to see that but, most, but I, I most did most customers aren't going to say that 
they're gonna they're gonna freak out. <laughs> well, I you know I do a good job I think with educating them mm-hmm. on beforehand and kind of showing them why you know you it's not a builder man. grade roof. Well, she was very like my roof is not. This is like a really nice roof. I remember when we got it. It was like the nicest one we could get. It's like exactly. That's the not, key to all this is just to to know what you're doing and be able to explain it to a homeowner. Yeah. All the best sales guys that are in this industry that are the roofing project managers. Yeah. Not sales guys, they're project managers. Yeah. But all the guys that are the best are always the ones that can explain it real thoroughly. Yeah. The homeowners. It's really an educational process. I it found, is. You know? It is an educational process. And the more that you can educate, the more you understand, the more you're going to make, you know, the more value you're going to bring. And Absolutely. the more that homeowners are going to refer you, they're going to talk about, they're going to rave about you. Yeah. And so what I teach is a lot more than just uh, the, the supplement process. This yeah. is bigger than all that. This is what you guys are doing all day, every day. Well, a lot of times people get wrapped up with like, oh, we need sales training and sales this and sales that. And it's like, and that's great. You you definitely yeah, do. But, but like this will generate but this sales. This is different, man. Like yeah. what you're teaching in that class and like what you're teaching in general is is definitely different. It's it's intelligent. It's how to be like a, a good, solid contractor to, right. to help people. It's bring... how to be a real contractor. Yeah. Because most, most, most of the time what we're dealing with is we have a guy that is a really, really good sales rep at a company. Good at convincing people to sign a contract. Yeah, he's really good at that. Yeah. He sells two million, a million and a half, whatever it is. Yeah. And he wakes up one day and says, I'm tired of working for so-and-so that doesn't treat me right. And they go off and they start their own company. Right. And most companies are made up of that. That's that's what their leadership is. Yeah. Is a sales guy that has gone out and started their own company. Yeah. You know, branched off and did their own thing. They'll take right. a couple sales reps with them. Right. You know, they'll have they'll fight over their non competes and that's what'll happen. <laughs> and so they don't they still don't understand the process though. Yeah. And so that's why they they're calling me and like we people get like in trouble me. with that. Well, they get in trouble with that and they and and they're and they're wondering, they're banging their head against, well, why can't I get my sales right? Yeah. Like why? Why are my people not understanding? Why are this? my margins so low? Yeah, and and you know how are why they? Why do I not talk? have money for marketing? Exactly. Yeah. Why can't I get what I need to get? I don't get it. What am I missing? And usually the missing piece is right here. It's understanding what you're actually doing. Yeah, and that's what I'm trying to help people with. Awesome, man. So awesome. So well, let's wrap it up then. Yeah, uh, for thank sure, you, again, thank you John. so yeah, much, absolutely. man. This is great. All right. Yeah. Well, we'll see you next time. All right, Romano. That's our show for today. Thank you so much for listening. Please find me on Facebook, Instagram, go to our website, foothillsfirst.com. If you have any ideas for the show, send me a message. I really want to know. Until next time, we'll see you on the roof.